are listening to Pastor Jared Ruddy of City Lights Church. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. Uh, I gave Jesse my text this morning, and uh, he said, you're preaching from a greeting? I said, I'm really excited. I'm in a bold, uh, bold mood today. So if you have your Bibles in the seat back in front of you, if you don't have one, uh, that's our gift to you. Go ahead and pull that out. You're welcome to take that with you. Seriously, thank you for being our guest. If you're here with us this morning and you haven't attended City Lights, we hope you feel at home. And this is a really easy place to get connected to. Um, we were all visitors at one time, and uh, some of us are still kind of visiting, I guess, all the time. So um, if you have your Bibles, turn to me in Galatians chapter 1. I really just want to read uh, four verses, but particularly I'm going to focus on the first two. We'll read together if you have your Bibles. It says this, Paul, an apostle... Not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to all the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins and to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father." To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now I want to focus just on a couple verses here. And, and frankly, when we look at this, it might not be that exciting from the surface. But when I'm reading it, it just absolutely came alive to me during this week. Paul starts off by saying some, an interesting phrase. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or from man. Now, the word apostle, if you get this, is not a Christian word. Now, we tend to think... 12 apostles or 70 apostles in Luke chapter uh, 11. We tend to think apostle is something that is a Christian term. But in fact, the word apostle was, in, in a good sense, robbed from Roman culture. See, an apostle was at that time a part of a naval fleet, a Roman naval fleet that would be sent forth. The word apostle means sent one. So it's kind of interesting because the innovation of this word, if you were a part of this church or any of the early churches and you heard someone say, Paul an apostle. Uh, see, they had other words for Paul the preacher, uh, Paul the evangelizer. There, there were terminology for that. So when someone would say, Paul an apostle, it, what it struck in their mind was a clear and distinct image. I want you to see that. A clear and distinct image. And the image that it struck was something that was of a military term. Now, personally, just saying, I, uh, I learned from a young age that I'm not a big fighter. I noticed that my body was designed for flight. All right. So from a young age, I determined, like I, I learned real quick. Um, like I now have an older brother that's also older and bigger. I always thought it was funny when people have older brothers that are smaller and shorter. But anyways, I have an older brother that's bigger and thicker and, and the whole deal. And uh, so when we would get into, you know, if somebody would come after me, I'd just be like, I'm getting my brother. So he's four years older, so there's a good, good gap. There still is a pretty good gap, but um, I'm, I'm thankful for that. So, but I, I recognize pretty, uh, just, I don't know if it was right out of the womb, shortly thereafter, though, I recognize my best odds is to run, all right? Something comes, just, who, who else wants to? I know you're deceived this morning. You're thinking, how does, why would he not want to fight with that body? I, I choose not to, all right? But, but seriously, I, I, I determined that flight was best, all right, fighting. See, now personally, I'm not one of those guys that really likes pain. Um, you, have you, I don't know if you ever, maybe you're one of them. I don't understand you. You meet those people that they get, like, hit in the face and they like it. You, you, you've, maybe you watch um, UFC. I don't really have a stomach for that, all right, no pun intended, John. Uh, but I, I, don't really have, I don't really have a stomach for that. I got violently ill last night on our, on our man day. Anyways, um, 
But I, I, I really uh, just, I, I'm not really into the UFC thing. Not because I don't like fighting, but it's just like, that hurts. I'm not a big fan of pain. Uh, John and I were talking the other day, and he was like, I love this TV show called, like, Two Guys in, a, in the Woods or something, or whatever, wilderness thing. And, and the guy lands, and he jumps out of the helicopter. One dude's barefoot. I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's on Discovery Channel or something. And the guy's like, it's kind of like Survivor Man or um, Man Against Wild or Man vs. himself. And um, he, 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 so he, he wants to show everyone what it's like to, like, this theme of this episode is like, like, like fatal injury. So what are we going to do? I'm going to slit my arm. So the guy just cuts his arm. He goes, now, what I'm going to do with this is that I'm going to pour gunpowder on it to, I guess, sterilize. Never tried Light it on fire, blow it up, and then, hey, I'm clean again. So, personally, I would have just said, hey, in case that happens to you, do this. But I'm thankful that he demonstrated. See, I'm not a big fan of pain. Anybody else not a big fan of pain? Not personally. I, I, I always like the Discovery Channel when the guy gets to go on vacations. It's like, what, what do you do for a job? I go to resorts, and I rate them. I'm a fan of that. All right? I watch that show. I'm like, you got a dream job. Not the dude cutting his arm. That's not cool. You don't have to do that. Just tell me. I believe you. See, I want you to understand this. Because when Paul says the word apostle, it strikes something in our minds. Or should it should lift up some mental image. And the image that it should lift is a militant term. But if you know anything about the military, and I speak almost completely ignorant of this. Because, again, I'm not a big fan of pain. But when you go into the military, you are signing your life away. When you sign, my, my, my dad went into a branch in the military. When he signed, he said, you know, say, say goodbye to your life. You're, you're signing it away. And when you sign that paper, you're giving your life away. And it's interesting that Paul would say, listen, I'm an apostle, not from men as in a group of people or as in man, which was also common in the first century, that an apostle would be somewhat of a sent forth messenger, an interesting Um, article I read about this during the week was actually saying that some people that were designated as uh, apostles, if you will, were actually um, slave owners, and they would purchase, listen to this, the slave, the cheapest slave that they were willing to lose, and he would be an apostle on behalf of so-and-so. So you look at it and you go, oh, I'm not really sure who I can, can gather today. Actually, he was my cheapest slave. He cost me, whatever, two goats and a cut arm or something. I don't know what you trade for back then. Whatever it was, though, that, that we would, he would be my apostle and we'd send him forth because it was understanding that an apostle was not something, now people put it on business cards, I'm not quite sure why, but Paul would tell us that he, being an apostle wasn't something of great influence, but actually that he was put on, at one time he said, am I just like on a public spectacle for people to watch my life and just watch me be abused, as in he uses the word arena, talking about the amphitheaters of that day where they would watch Christians be tortured and warriors fight. The reason I'm saying that is it's interesting because there's kind of this modern wave against Christianity that says those that walk with Christ or understand the gospel have been culturally conditioned to believe. And I've shared this with you, and I think this is so key, because there's this move that's kind of like, well, you were raised to be a Christian. You were raised to be a Christian. And I, I want you to see this. One, there are plenty of us here that were raised opposite or chose to run away, and God sovereignly brought us back. And number two, I want you to notice in this text that Paul says, I'm not an apostle 
of men, of man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. And then he goes like this, who raised him from the dead. In essence, he's going like this. Paul's going, you know, I didn't sign up for this gig. This wasn't, this wasn't my first vote in life. I wasn't trying to wake up in the morning and go, hey, you know what? I'm going to be an apostle. I'm going to go start churches. See, we almost want to crystallize the first century church as if it's somehow, this nostalgia is a weird thing. It makes me think of nostrils for some reason, but nostalgia, it's interesting because we kind of like, well, we were talking about sports last night. That's about all men do is sports and food and other things, but we're, we're sitting there and we're talking about kind of the golden era of sports, right? And, and sorry for the sports analogy if you lose this, but um, I don't know if I can, I apologize. I'm, I'm so ignorant when it comes to female analogies. I apologize. I'm not going to try. I'm going with sports. That's all I got. All right. I'm, I'm, that's, that's the rest of the bullets. But we kind of, we kind of look back and we, we want to crystallize things that were from the past as if it was somehow lifted up. And often we do this with the New Testament church as if the New Testament churches were perfect or have somehow reached a state of perfection when actually the truth is almost all of Paul's letters, uh, like sans, uh, Ephesians maybe, basically he's addressing ridiculous problems. I mean, Absurd problems. Even this book, which we'll get to not today, but later on in the upcoming weeks, Paul is addressing just problems. Paul goes like this, guys, I'm not an apostle because uh, somebody wants me to do this or because I signed up for the military, but God sovereignly chose me. In other words, he's like, there's nothing in me that wants to be doing this. I, I-, I want you to-, to see this because this is interesting. Through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Who raised him. We've created this culture in Christianity that actually is so far removed from, removed from pain, removed from suffering. And I, I'm, not, I'm not also, I've, I've run into people that pray for America to be persecuted. Again, not a big fan of pain, so... I pray for, pray for the other way that that would work. You know, everyone's like, well, if we just be persecuted, I'll pass. Like, I'm, I already love the Lord. I don't, really don't need that. I mean, if it happens, all right. I'm, but we've created this culture that kind of steps away, from, steps away from the intensity of what Paul's saying. Even in a greeting, you can see him saying this, almost like trying to let everyone, listen, I'm an apostle, not from men or from man, not because I want to, but because I'm absolutely not convinced, I'm convicted of that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, this is, this is really what I want to hit home this morning. When Paul says, I'm an apostle, he's, he's playing on this idea that my life is not my own. My life is not my own. Now, I'm just going to reference this rather than, rather than uh, turn there if you want. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 15. If you want to, you can turn there or study it later. But in Deuteronomy chapter 15... Uh, God lays out for the children of Israel an interesting uh, command about the sabbatical year, every seven years. And every seven years, if you were sold into slavery, if you were a slave and you were sold into slavery, and you worked for six years for your master, and on the seventh year, you could be free. And the interesting thing is the Bible doesn't just say that you're free as in like, hey, you're out of the cage, go find it on your own. But the Bible actually tells that your master has to bless you. He has to fill up 
all of your wine, fill up all of your food, and just send you on and bless you. But the scripture says this in Deuteronomy chapter 15. But if you don't want to leave, if you don't want to leave, your master takes you to the doorpost and brings out an awl, which is just a real good grody name for something to pierce an ear, all right? And he puts your ear up, you put your ear up, and it says that if you love your master and don't want to leave, he nails your ear to that door to show everyone when they see that ear piercing that I love my master, and this is interesting, I would rather be a slave than free. What a type of the gospel. The gospel is this, that Christ redeems us Paul, it wasn't that he didn't have will to leave, it's that his perspective changed. He understood, he would tell us in the book of Romans, he would say, for I do not consider my present sufferings worth comparing to the glory that would be revealed. In other words, the glory in Christ, the satisfaction he found in Christ was enough for him to say, I'm an apostle, my life is not my own, I didn't choose this thing but I found what we sang today, a love greater than life itself. A love greater than life itself. See, uh, we were talking last night again, Jesse and I, what is salvation? Salvation, we've created a culture where it's choose Christ or choose hell. Well, personally, if you gave me the option between air conditioning and sunburn, I'm going to air conditioning. All right? I mean, some, uh, the Irish thing doesn't work. It just, it just doesn't. It's kind of cool sometimes, not in the sun. We've created a culture, though, that's like Jesus or hell. Well, that's like going up to somebody and convincing them, listen, you're sick, you have cancer, and you need this, take it, and you'll be better. The truth is, that is true. Outside of Christ, we'll be separated from Christ. But this is the gospel. The gospel's not Jesus or hell. The gospel is Jesus or yourself. The gospel is Jesus or nothing. Hell happens to be the other place. We've made peripheral issues central. We've made things that are secondary truths primary. So what's happened is a culture where people, rather than understanding the deep satisfaction that someone like Paul could say, I'm an apostle that's sent from Jesus. In other words, I've turned down everything to follow Christ. I found the living water and I thirst no more. But yet we've turned that away and we've created a culture. And listen, I don't know if you've run into people that are kind of disheartened about Christianity, but I, I run into them all the time that they, they just have given up on Christ. The truth is they haven't given up on Christ. Basically, it looks like this every time without fail. When you run into somebody, typically it's a situation in their life that has gone awry. Uh, a, a marriage didn't work out. A friendship fell apart. A uh, I don't I fill in the blanks, whatever it is. And and they were they were doing the Jesus thing going real hard. You know, I mean they were they were in it to win it. And then next thing you know, something didn't work out. And 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 I would say to that this the gospel is not a relief from pressures. A gospel is not a relief from pain. It's not a relief from suffering. It's a promise in and through that one day will be perfectly relieved when Christ restores this earth. See, it's amazing to me that the culture that's been again created in churches, that we elevate this thing as that if we come to Christ, everything will be perfect. The gospel's this. Everything might not be perfect. We have Jesus, though. But yet the lie of our day says that if we can just have a little bit more of what we already have. I got read an interesting statistic 
90% of NFL football players, all right, you make $15 million, all right? Now, some of us aren't too great at managing money, um, and there's great resources if you're still working through that for you. I would suggest to do it. It's a big deal, all right? I mean, you don't have money. It doesn't, it doesn't grow on trees. You have to learn to make it and save it and invest in the whole deal, and there's great resources for that. Now, 90% of NFL football players three years after retirement are bankrupt that make $15 million or more. Chad Ochocinco, any person that changes their name to Ochocinco, all right, whatever, that means 85, in case you're wondering in Spanish, bought like a, he bought some kind of machine with 18 wheels on it. And now he's well on his way towards bankruptcy. Now, it's, it's, it's interesting, though, that, that we have this thing in our mind that keeps us. I want you to see that. It's amazing that if we could just get a little bit more, if I could just have a little bit more money, if I could just have a little bit more friends, if I could just have that relationship, if I could just have this, but yet we look at the people that are there and they're not satisfied, but yet somehow this entertainment-driven culture that needs a distraction every 17 seconds from our Facebook text message or whatever things. I mean, you're tweeting and Facebooking at the same time. Take your time. Do one at a time. Do you really have to do them both at the same time? Maybe. All right. I guess it saves time. We've created this thing, though, that it's just so success-driven. It's so pushing. If I could just feel better. But yet, I, I love this opening of the letter because Paul goes, Guys, church, I'm sent from God. There's nothing in me that wants this. In fact, if you look at Paul's life before Christ, Paul's life prior to Christ, before he knew him and walked with him and followed him, his life was, it was honestly, it was perfect. It, it, all things considered, on the outside, he had people's approval. He had a following. He was a well-ascribed, honored man in his Jewish community. And we'll see later on as we work through Galatians that he says, am I trying to get God's approval or your approval? This challenges me so much, even just from reading a greeting, because it makes me question my heart's intent to go, what's my perspective? What's my perspective? It's not that those things are, it's not that things are bad. It's not that it's just Jesus and we just sit in a room and hum all day. It's not, it's not that at all, but it's what are the priorities of my life and what is the perspective of my heart. What has Jesus done to me that I can say, listen, when Jesus goes, hey, hey, Jared, you're, you're free now. You're, you're free. Go do what you want. What happens if in that moment, like the slave, I go, you know what? I'd rather, I would rather live as a slave because I love you than be on my own and free. Wow. Paul would say at the end of Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. If not, I'll just read it, or I'll just reference it. Paul says this. Does anybody else need to bring up anything to me? He says, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. He plays on this idea from Deuteronomy that, listen, if, if you got a question about my passion, <laughs> you got a question about my love, does anybody have a concern here? He's... I don't got a huge following here. I'm just trying to follow Christ. I'm just trying to do that. See, what Christ does to us, that perspective is just absolutely outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. That somebody could literally say, I'm an apostle. That's not, I'm an apostle. That's, I'm risking my life daily, he says. Risking my life daily. 
You know, there's a ton of books on the prayer of Jabez, which if you pray that, I'm glad you do, and I hope it works out for you, and I'm happy that it does. There's not too many prayers from the rest of them when you read Hebrews 11 that talks about the world was not worthy of the people like Isaiah, from what theologians believe, who was sawed in half. Jeremiah, who was known as the weeping prophet, who Paul was, from what we understand, beheaded. Peter, from what we know, Historians say crucified upside down and go on and on and on. And the Apostle John tried to be, they tried to boil him alive and it didn't work. I don't understand that. I don't have to. I'm not a big fan of pain. So I've, I'm trying to go for a nice, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work with a nursing home if I have to. I'm just not big into boiling pots. So you, you, you look, though, at the perspective of, it just, it challenges me so much because we're removed from it. We're able to kind of distance ourselves today from that just because our world, honestly, we really don't interact with it much. Yet overseas, it's a present reality. It's not something that's distant. It's not something far off. You can hop on a plane and within a, within a half a day be talking to Christian believers who are being persecuted and destroyed for that. And now, that's not, that's not to scare us. What that's to say is that they've found something and that something is available to us. It's available to us. We don't have to go through that because the truth is, we, we, we may, the, I, I pray to God and I, I highly doubt that any of us are going to face that type of stuff on a wide-scale basis. But what we will face is the temptation to find joys and pleasures in things lesser than Christ all the time. All the time. You will battle that to the day you die. Money, family, relationships, people's approval, how you feel, your safety, your security, all of that. And again, none of that's bad, but what happens is we've found that and we notice, we notice something lets loose when one of those starts to shake. I'll give my own testimony. See, Jesse and I were talking, this is a great conversation. If you ever want to just get right to know somebody, ask them, what would you be like if you didn't know Christ? If, if I didn't know Christ, who would Jared Ruddy be? Who, who, would, who would transparent... Jared Ruddy would be, you know, and I, I said, frankly, I would be um, probably a faithful husband. I'm not really, that's not necessarily a temptation for me. For me, I would be the guy that would do anything to get a buck. I, I, I would be. Without, without Christ, I would be the person that managed, because I already, I, I manage that meticulously, my finances and watch, and I'm planning for the future. And, all. and if without Christ, that which is good would become ultimate and evil. So what does God do? God goes, hey, Jared, I'm going to send you to Scranton, and I'm going to crush that idol in your heart so you become absolutely dependent on me here. And for the first year of our marriage, Aaron and I, uh, she would just go, Jared, you're just not trusting the Lord of finances. And it's not like we're broke or anything. The truth is, like, I'm not, like, you know, we're not cruising in a Benz in the back or anything either. But, you know, you go come over to my house. I mean, you guys have come over to my house. It's modest. It's nothing... Nothing spectacular. Uh, it's, it's nice. I mean, God's definitely blessed us with that. But I, but I look at that, and for the first year of our marriage, Erin, in God's, I love that God brought her into my life to just say, because that's not, she just doesn't start with that. God's going God's gonna to make it happen. I'm just sitting there, and I'm recognizing that for whatever reason, I'm not finding joy in Christ. I feel like I can save myself. I, I, I could save a little bit more. I could plan a little bit more. I could figure this thing out. And again, I'll say this. What joy do I have in that? Nothing. It's not that money's bad. In fact, I can't wait till God deals with this idol in my heart so that he can trust me with more. 
But my question this morning to you is what perspective do you have? What is the idol in your heart that you would rather say, you know what, I'm free. Thanks, you know, thanks I was a slave for a few years. Now that I'm saved, okay, great. Or what's that thing that's holding you back from being able to say, Christ, uh-uh, everything. Everything you want. The perspective there, it blows my mind. If you were given a job, Tim Keller used this great example in our Gospel and Life curriculum. I'll close with this and then we'll pray and sing. If two people were given a job making uh, widgets, whatever a widget is, they both sit in a room all day. One realizes that they'll be in that room for the rest of their life. $10,000 a year making widgets. The other person recognizes that actually they don't have to be there for the rest of their life, but just for one year. And at the end of that one year, that person's going to be a multimillionaire at the end. Just one year of making widgets. The time would pass so fast. Why? Because of the great hope and great expectation and great joy to come and great relief that every day would be but nothing. When we serve Christ, when we honor Christ, when we appear to Christ, how great is our perspective? What have we built in that way? That's something that we have to constantly go, what am I setting up, God, that you have to tear down so that I can find my joy in you? Because the truth is, nothing is worth comparing. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and I promise I'm done. I promise, and now if I, I can't unpromise. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon, the richest man in the world, exhausts everything. He goes, listen, I'm building gardens, I'm building buildings, I'm, uh, I'm getting singers. The dude had his own personal choir. That's a little overboard. I just like a radio, all right? The guy had, guy had a choir set up that would sing to him at certain times. Hey, you, what do you do? I lead his choir on the weekends, all right? That was his job. You, you get the idea of excessiveness. He exhausted everything, and at the end of it, Ecclesiastes, he goes, everything's meaningless. Chasing of the wind. You know what chasing of the wind is? You ever try to chase the wind? I encourage you to do that, not towards the street, though. You know, you're, 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 you're reaching for it. You never catch it. It's always beyond your grasp. It's always right there. This world is temporal. And as Augustine would say, our hearts are restless till we rest in him. And C.S. Lewis would say, if I can't find anything in this world that satisfies me, I'm created for another world. I'm challenging you. Stop by the scripture's command, not mine. Stop finding satisfaction in things lesser than Christ. And let's, as a church, begin to reach people that have a hole in them. I'm not talking about knocking on the door, Jesus knocking on the heart, let him in. I'm saying, listen, you're living a life. Jesus didn't just come to get you to heaven. He came to give us an abundant life worth living. I love my life. I'm not just a, I've told you this before. Why do Christians, spiritual mature Christians look like they're biting lemons with demons on their back? The more mature you get, the more depressed you are. No! It's like, I, I love being a Christian. Why? Well, Jesus saved me. Well, what did he save you from? He didn't save you from that frown, all right? You're still doing pretty good with that thing. My greatest joy is found in Christ. If, if, listen, if the scripture this morning could tell us I'm an apostle that risks my life daily, 
If I could stand before you this morning objectively for your eyes, just because maybe you're able to divorce yourself from the 2,000 years ago. That was Paul, man. He was a little wacky back then. They didn't have, didn't have iPhones and Twitter and stuff and Farmville. Did that, did that pass yet, that fad? Thank God. All right. Almost? All right. Good. I'm just holding my breath for that one. Like, I know we can divorce ourselves from that, but listen, objectively this morning, I'm not, I'm, I'm not lying to you. I'm not lying to you. Jesus is the greatest joy. Can anybody just testify with me this morning? He satisfies beyond, above. Your heart will be restless, but in Christ, you don't have to thirst anymore. If I could have the worship team come back forward, we're going to sing a song together, and I want to give Jesus the highest praise we can give him this morning. The book of Psalms says, in his light, we see light, and with you is the fountain of life. I love that. I'm so overwhelmed by the peace and presence of God. In this life and the life to come, I... Things are, right now, things, it's a good season of life. I was writing, though, on my notes. I wrote it right here. And it, it, it hit me when I was writing this. The gospel is about Jesus. It's about getting Jesus. He's the prize. He, he's the mark. There's nothing else. It's not Jesus in a house. It's not Jesus in Mercedes-Benz or a new belt, if that's too fancy. It's, it's Jesus. It's It's him. It's finding deep satisfaction, enjoying him. And I wrote this phrase that says this. What if I do everything and follow everything right? Everything's great. The gospel's not when I follow him and everything works out, but what if everything went bad and I still had Jesus? And when I wrote that, I thought, what could be taken away from me what, what could be taken away from me that would rob me of my joy in Christ? Whatever that is, I don't know. It's not, again, it's not that those things are bad. I want you to hear that. Don't, don't go to the extreme and be like, hold on. No, no, I'm saying, what, 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 what could be taken away from me that would rob my joy of Christ? Not things I would naturally grieve for. If I lost my spouse, I would be devastated. But my joy in Christ is not circumstantial. It's not circumstantial. Could you, could you sing this song? I found a, found a... Is that the one you're on? Oh, we're flowing. We're in the same vein here. Watch out. I want to declare that this morning. And if, if you don't know Christ, or you've been handed a chopped up version of Christianity that, that, that listen, that exalts your moral performance over taking pleasure in Christ, we've watered it down. The, we are such a joy this morning to know him. Such a joy. There's a great author, and his quote says this, My God is most glorified when I'm most satisfied in Him. God's not glorified when out of duty or obligation, as much as in if I brought home flowers for my wife, and she said, Oh, you got me flowers? Well, I have to. You have to. How many people, men, know that would be a bad idea? All right? I don't know a lot about marriage. I've learned that's not a good thing to say. We're going on a date. Oh, we're going on a date. I ha- we have to. Why? We, ha- we haven't done it for a while. How many women would testify that's not a good reason to go on a date? We haven't done it for a while. That's ignorance. 
But if I come home and I say, honey, here's flowers because I love you. Or here's a date because I want to enjoy you tonight. I want to be with you. And just, how many people think that she would just go, wow, I I feel loved today. I, I feel made much of. See, Christ is not worshiped. He's not glorified out of our duty or obligation as if we show up to church and worship. And he goes, God's like, thanks. You feel a little bit better about myself. No, no. He doesn't need that. This truth is he's perfect. We're created in his image. Watch this. God's most glorified when we're most satisfied. And in number two, we'll talk about this later. I want to... Never mind. I'll do that next week, maybe. Because let's worship him this morning. Can we do that? Let's stand together. Let's declare. If you have not found Christ this morning, this is a great time. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's worship together. Worship him this morning. By grace I'm free, rescue to me. Now all I am is yours. I found the love greater than life itself. I found a hope stronger than nothing
this morning, before we, before we dismiss, I want to invite you forward. If you need prayer for anything specifically, we'd love to take a couple of minutes. We're going to continue to worship. Um, we're not dismissing yet. If you do have to sneak out, you're more than welcome to. Uh, I'll say this because we'll dismiss in a minute. Um, if you're visiting with us, we want to connect with you at the cafe. We have a gift for you. But we want to take a few minutes to pray and worship. Is that okay? Uh, this morning, uh, to, to twofold call. One is that if we're, we're still searching for that, we're still thirsting. I love the book of Isaiah says, all who are thirsty, come and buy for free. And, and the call today is free salvation is not a gift. Uh, or it's a gift. It's not something we work for. But listen, we're not just saved by the gospel. We're sustained by it. We can drift from it. We can fall from grace this morning. uh, Let's just recenter our alignment on the satisfaction of God, what he's accomplished. And let's just take absolute pleasure. If you need prayer this morning, you're more than welcome to come forward. Could you sing that You Are a Good song? I know that might be a change up of pace. But I I just want to worship him and declare that. If if there's anyone that needs prayer, let's let's take a few minutes and then we'll dismiss and... uh, and uh, fellowship is a good Christian word together. Okay, let's, let's pray though. Father, thank you. Wow, Lord, I, I just, I pray for that perspective. I pray that as Paul would say, I'm an apostle, not sent from men or from man, but from God. Wow. Lord, I pray that whatever perspective that he was given, Lord, I pray for our own personal revelation of Jesus Christ. That the resurrection that you rose from the dead, you conquered hell conquered death. You've conquered sin. Lord, I pray for a greater perspective that we would marvel in Jesus. That we wouldn't find satisfaction, things that are lesser than you, that we would enjoy them, but we wouldn't be bound to them. That when we eat food, we would just love it. We wouldn't have to be bound to it. When we're able to spend money, we would love spending money. We wouldn't have to be bound by it. When we are with family, we would love family and enjoy the gifts that you've given us. We wouldn't be bound by them. Our jobs and work, that we would love them and bring glory and honor to you, but we wouldn't be bound by them. Lord, let us find satisfaction that we would glory in Christ. Amen. If you need prayer, uh, you're more than welcome to come forward. We'll have a handful of people here to pray. Um, at the other side, let's just sing one last song and worship together and declare that he's good. Mm-hmm.